folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to The Daily Evolver. You can find all my stuff at dailyevolver.com. Please subscribe to my YouTube station and like us on Facebook and Twitter and all of that good stuff. Okay, well, here we are, November 4th, 2020, the day after the election for the President of the United States. And I guess it looks good for Joe. Um, I don't know. I'm still in don't know mind. I'm glad I brought that up last week because it helped me all week to just not try to clench around too many ideas. But, you know, like a lot of people who was, you know, I became enthusiastic for Joe at the end. Um, I'm discouraged, disappointed. Most of my liberal friends are the liberal media, so forth, you know, our side of the street. It didn't go like we had planned and, or hoped. And I, I, you know, for instance, I was going to start the show today and I was going to talk about how this was the day that the United States of America spat out that vulgarian Donald Trump and our fundamental decency and respect for science and modern values were expressed. And I was going to explain the Venn diagram of the people on the right, the traditionalists, and the people on the left, the postmodernists. And in our great center modernism overlapping circle that was going to carry the day. And alas, you know, apparently the official endorsement of the Daily Evolver for Joe Biden last week did not quite make that happen. No blue wave, I'm afraid. So we won't be done with, uh, you know, Trump. Uh, and, I, and I knew that. I thought hopefully we'd be done with Trump as president, and I still hope that. But I was also going to say that we won't be done with Trumpism for quite a while because, um, you know, we still haven't integrated, you know, what he's all about. And I'm afraid we still have a long way to go, actually. And I, I'll use an example today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I used an example from Michael Schmidt, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times political dean of political reporters, you know, just as establishment as you can get. And he was talking about all of the investigations of Trump uh, regarding Russia, and that the foreign policy establishment and all of the experts are just confused about what is motivating Trump to be so friendly to Putin. And, um, you know, he used examples of Trump's ego and insecurity and family business and ties to Russia and being overwhelmed by the office, being afraid of being exposed, or as he put at the end, a larger, deeper, more sinister thing. And as I said then, you know, here's where development helps. It's, it may be those things, but it's also, and I think fundamentally, that he shares the worldview with Putin. You know, it's a, it's a red, blue, it's a, you know, warrior into traditional worldview uh, where power is the currency. And where leaders don't persuade, they assert. 
and where there are consequences for resisting their assertions and their distortions of reality. And they don't govern, they rule. They impose their will and their ability to impose their will. That is to get people through fear, bullshit, whatever it takes to march in their direction. That's the mark of their success, not how persuasive they are. And regarding laws and norms, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see how red can use modern tools, you know, in terms of laws. They're, they're good at it, actually, but not in terms of being respected, but in terms of being used in the exercise of their power. So, you know, when you think like somebody, you, you're attracted to them, you know, and I often use the example of me and Obama. I didn't love Obama on the trail this week. Political Obama was never my favorite Obama. I mostly liked policy Obama, but not in every case. But the Obama that I love, and Mayor Pete's the same way, it's the writer. It's when I read their writing, it's like, wow, mother's milk. I get this guy. He gets me. He sees the world the way I do. And, you know, love blossoms. And so thus it is with Putin and Trump. And but that is missed by the mainstream. And so that's one example that I used a couple of weeks ago. But today I want to use another one. And this is a particularly hard one in a way because I wanted better. You know, and, 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 and what I'm talking about is a podcast that was put out two days ago, the day before the election. Uh, by Sam Harris, who is one of my heroes. It's one of his Making Sense podcasts. And many of you sent it to me or sent me an alert about it. And the podcast was called The Key, Key to Trump's Appeal. And I was really excited to hear what he had to say, because I do consider Sam Harris to be uh, at least a proto-integral figure. He's a little too much of a materialist for me, and I'll point out how I think that limits him in a second. But I also think through his waking up teachings in, in book that he is quite skillful at creating what I see as more spiritual states. I'm not sure he would describe them that way, but states of expansion and seeing the bigger witness and then the ever bigger witness and he's doing this with other materialists, which I think is great. And I think will ultimately dissolve their materialism. But, um, you know, in the meantime, that he's, he's doing sort of a, a spiritual practice without spirit or God. And more power to him. Politically, Sam is a post-progressive, in my opinion. He is um, in, in, in not regressive. He's he he is against Trump. He's against, you know, the kind of totalitarian conservatism, mean traditionalism, if you will. He's willing to fight against mean green. I'll point some of this out here. And he is in, occupied that terrain. And it's not the easiest terrain to occupy, but he has. And I appreciate him for that. And so now he puts out this podcast where he has, uh, to his own astonishment, finally figured out what motivates Trump people. And I'm going to play a little bit of it because I don't want to play too much because I never know when that's going to get me thrown off. But um, here's the first part. 
So his appeal has been a total mystery to me, but I believe I have now solved that mystery. Again, I don't know why it took me so long, because many of these thoughts have been in my head since the beginning. And I've certainly heard people describe some parts of this picture, but the whole image just fell into place for me. It's like one of those magic eye illustrations. Okay, so he goes on and he, he gets into something that I've done on the show, I've done with my friends and it's uh, good fun and it's true. And he gets into this analysis of Trump that you know, is, uh, it's basically a Trump insult contest. And, and he has the, one of the better insults that I do want to pull this out and share it. He says, to my eye, he, Trump, lacks nearly every virtue for which we have a word. <laughs> I think that's pretty darn good. So what's the saving grace? What's the appeal here? And he says that the part of it is that Trump is completely free of sanctimony. The one thing that Trump can't communicate uh, is that he's better than you are. He cannot possibly communicate his moral superiority, Sam says. Even when his every utterance is geared to self-aggrandizement, even when he is denigrating his supporters, even when he is calling himself a genius, he has never communicated that he is better than you are. The man is just a bundle of sin and gore, and he never pretends to be anything more. Perhaps more importantly, he never even aspires to be anything more. And because of this, because he is never really judging you, he can't possibly judge you. He offers a truly safe space for human frailty and hypocrisy and self-doubt. He offers what no priest can credibly offer, a total expiation of shame. His personal shamelessness is a kind of spiritual balm. Trump is fat Jesus. He's grabbed them by the pussy, Jesus. He's, I'll eat nothing but cheeseburgers if I want to, Jesus. He's, I want to punch them in the face, Jesus. He's, go back to your shithole countries, Jesus. He's, no apologies, Jesus. So, wow. That um, is very dispiriting to me, actually. Um, and makes me realize just how much progressives have won the culture war in a way, in ways that we don't even realize in um, our um, denigration of people who are operating at the traditional stage of development. And, um, and, and, and before I get into too much of a critique, let me first stipulate that he's right, Sam is right about Trump and about what he does for his supporters. He, ha he has sketched out what we might call mean traditionalism at very, very accurately. It's ethnocentric, it's pugilistic, it's sexist, it's patriarchal, um, it's non-rational in ways, but you know, Good God, if that's the great insight of one of our leading intellectuals as to why people love Trump, 
Again, I despair. I do. Because what Sam's missing here is good traditionalism, which is also why Trump people love him. And that is, you know, good traditional. It's a place where, first of all, people are alive with spirit. And it's spirit connected to a capital S spirit, almighty God, you know, whether or not they believe in it, but there's something, there's, there's a, 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 a felt sense that people are here to be more, more here to be faithful than to be successful. And that they wanna live good lives in the service of God, country, and their family. And, um, and this world is not their home. Now that it can seem ridiculous to somebody who's at modern, but that is the reality. And I get that it is not just ridiculous, but ironic beyond belief that people who feel this way have chosen a lying libertine to carry their message. But that falls in the realm of the Lord works in mysterious ways. And the Bible is full of leaders like Trump, who God uses and redeems. And, you know, they, it's not a problem for them to follow Trump, who is fighting their enemy, which is globalism, modern globalism, and postmodern multiculturalism. Again, the three stages of the culture war. So, um, so you know, Sam, it, 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 I guess it's a, 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 a typical mistake and people make it all over the place where they see the worldview that isn't theirs only in terms of its negatives, not in terms of its positives because they don't get the positives. They don't have receptors for it. They don't have a processor for it. Um, that has been repressed in modernity. Uh, and, and, and hallelujah, if you'll pardon the expression, that was progress itself. But anyway, uh, let's, um, I'll get to that in a second, but I want to play another piece where, um, you know, this is where Sam's integral because he sort of sketches out this mean traditionalism, but then he'll come back and he'll sketch out the contours of mean green or mean postmodernism, which he also finds objectionable. And, um, and here's what he says about that. What are we getting from the left? We're getting exactly the opposite message. Pure sanctimony, pure judgment. You are not good enough. You're guilty not only for your own sins, but for the sins of your fathers. The crimes of slavery and colonialism are on your head. And if you're a cis, white, heterosexual male, which we know is the absolute core of Trump's support, you're a racist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, sexist barbarian. Tear down those statues and bend the fucking knee. Hmm. You know, I wouldn't necessarily argue with that. I think it's a, a rough critique of Mean Green. But again, it misses Good Green. And it's not that 
that that you know people like Sam aren't adequately green in the sense that they want civil rights and they want racism to end and they want women to be equal and they want animals to have rights and they're world centric in many ways, but they're so reactionary and this is a, one of the reasons that Trump did so much better than the polls and people suspected is that there is such allergies to the fundamentalist aspects of green. Uh, but then it misses that, you know, the, the, I, I sometimes think of it as the difference between the exoteric teachings and the esoteric teachings. And the exoteric teachings of traditionalism is that God was mad at us and so he cast us out of the garden and he sent his son to redeem and, you know, that's the Christian fundamentalist thing. I think it's, you know, myth, but it gets to an esoteric truth that we are seen and loved by a creator. And I think there's truth to that. So it is with Green and they have all of the stories and, you know, everybody's a racist and, you know, all of the, you know, catechisms of wokeness. But what's good about it and what's continuing to grow in Green, it's not just, you know, our, our colorblindness is not adequate. That there are karmas of history that are very much at play today in our culture that have created a system, systemic system, where the fruits of society are disproportionately distributed according to race. And if you wanna call a system that does that systemic racism, I understand what you're talking about. And that we are now at a stage of moral development where that's no longer acceptable. And it's seen at green in particularly woke green as an urgent problem that has to be solved in order to make a better world. And that colorblindness isn't enough and it isn't possible in the first place and it isn't adequate in correcting that. And so there's a new impulse that is coming to the fore. And if you're not green, you don't get it. You don't have antenna for it. And it seems very, very frightening. And, and, it, and it is, it can be. It's the fundamentalist, totalitarian, mean aspect of every stage is very destructive. And at integral, we want to differentiate them. It's really not that hard, it doesn't seem to me. And then try to integrate the best of what each of them have to say into a new thing. And that's what's next. And so, you know, while we're at it, we... I'll point out that Sam, at least in this podcast, is an example of what we could call mean orange or mean modernity. And that is the complete disenchantment of the world. You know, it, it, and, and again, that's progress. It's the funniest thing. It's freeing us from the cruelties of pre-modern spirituality is a great thing. And it's hard to overvalue what science and rationality has brought us. Daniel Dennett, the philosopher, calls it the spectacularly tangible results of modernity. And so I have no critique about rationality, except that the only way to go wrong with it is to be monoperspectival about it and to think it's the only way to be and to value it at the exclusion of the non-rational, which is what it does and which is what Sam's doing here. He has no, again, no receptors for myth or magic, uh, sees them as delusional. There has to be another explanation. 
And he doesn't understand why people with traditional hearts are so resistant to orange persuasion and orange arguments and statistics and warnings. And, you know, orange has its own apocalypse story. Their apocalypse story is that we slip back into pre-rational thinking. And, uh, you know, Trump scares them for that. And I get it. I'm scared too about Trump in many ways and uh, continue to pray for Joe to pull this thing out. Uh, But people who, you know, they don't live there. They live like with this pandemic and super spreader events and climate and uh, they don't live, they, they don't want that apocalypse story. They have their own, thank you very much, which is that, you know, Jesus is coming again and there's a big cosmic battle on, on, the, on the horizon and we're not here to make a better world. We're here to be faithful. Uh, and that's, that's, a lot of that's bad, but to the degree that that is a portal to a world alive with spirit, I get that they want to hold on to that and they're not going to be talked out of it. At any rate, one of the lessons of this election is don't overvalue statistics and your polls. And you get a lot wrong, modernity. Uh, Again, no critique of the scientific method. It's an astonishingly uh, transformational thing. But orange and, and the modern sensibility grips around it and uses it, it does, as a club against people who don't see it that way. And again, this is, the, this is where we've won the culture war and we don't even get it. We've won this piece of it. It turns out it's not gonna be over. Um, so anyway, I have more I could say about that, but I did it, um, actually there's two, two episodes I would recommend if you're interested in my con- further thoughts on these matters. One is what's so good about woke? which is a defense of good green and continued growth into green sensitivity. And the other is called the beauty and baggage of traditionalism, where I do the same thing there. They're both on the Daily Evolver site. All right, well, I think I'll just close then with a um, a last point from Sam. And again, I love him and I I love this, how he closes his podcast. Let me... um, Let me just play it. But I believe I now understand the half of the country that disagrees with me a little better than I did yesterday. And this makes me less confused and judgmental, less of an asshole, probably, which is always progress. And yes, it's progress. But, you know, when the great uh, realization was that people love Trump because it is a total expiation of their shame, and a spiritual balm for their shortcomings. You're not, you got more to go, buddy. And God bless us all. Okay, see you next week, folks, as another, uh, you know, week unspools in the evolution of human consciousness and culture.